Hello, and welcome to the Daily Grind Podcast, a ministry of Faith Baptist Church. It's a daily podcast, Monday through Friday, on our daily walk with Christ, hosted by Stephen Bitsko, my father, and Andy Bitsko, myself. Today we're going to be using our Bibles, as well as the 365 Days of Spurgeon devotional. If you don't have a Bible readily available, you can download the Logos Bible software at logos.com. Or if you want to use the 365 Days of Spurgeon devotional, you can also download that at Logos.com. However, it is not free. It's totally optional. We have the slides on the screen. If you're listening and not looking at the slides, it's in the podcast notes below. May 13th, 1855. Thoughts on the last battle. First text we're going to be looking at is Psalms chapter number 116. Uh, 19 verses. We're going to be reading the whole chapter. Feel free to pause and take a moment while you find that in your Bible. And in Psalms chapter 116 and verse number 1, we see, I love the Lord because he hath heard my voice and my supplications, because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me, I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple, I was brought low, and he helped me. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore, have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste, all men are liars. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am thy servant. I am thy servant, and the son of thine handmaid, thou hast loosened my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of the people, of, in, in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord. All right. Today's message is going to be called. The Thoughts on the Last Battle, a sermon delivered on the Sabbath evening of May 13, 1855, by the Reverend Charles Spurgeon at the Exeter Hall in Strand. While the Bible is one of the most poetical, uh, poetical of books, though its language is uh, un- unutterably. unutterably, thank you, Andy, sublime, yet we must remark how how consistently it is true to nature. There is no straining of, of a fact, no, no fact, no glossing over the truth, however dark may be the subject, while it lights, lights it up with brilliance. Yet it does not deny the gloom co- connected with it. If you will read this chapter of Paul's epistle, so justly celebrated as a masterpiece of language, you will find him speaking of that which is to come after death with such exaltation and glory that you feel if this be to die then it will excuse me then it were well to depart at once 
When has not rejoiced, and whose heart has not been lifted up, or filled with the holy fire, while he has read such sentences as these? In a, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the death shall be raised, shall shall be raised incorruptible. We shall, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immorality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall shall have put on immorality, then shall be brought to pass the the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Yet with all that majestic language, with all that bold flight of eloquence, he does not deny that death is a gloomy thing. Yet his very figures imply it. He does not laugh at it. He does not say, oh, it is nothing to die. He describes death as a monster. He speaks, speaks of it as it having a sting. He tells us, wherein the strength of thy sting lies. And even in the exclamation of triumph, he imputes that victory not to an aid flesh. But he says, thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's a couple things I want to discuss about. Obviously, the context of this is, or the text of this is, is death. And if we go back to where Andy was first reading, and let's see if I can find it. Uh, There we go. What shall I render unto the Lord? This is verse number 12 of Psalms number 116. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me. I will take the cup of salvation and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. In verse number 14, I will pay my vows unto the Lord. Now in the presence of all his people, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And I want to talk about a couple things here. Two parts. There's a spiritual death and there's a physical death. When you accept Jesus Christ, you, you die spiritually in the sense of you're not following Satan anymore. Or you're, you're not being controlled by Satan anymore. You're having a rebirth, or what we refer to as born again, where we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we're following Christ. The death is also so important to, to acknowledge that that regeneration of yourself the f- being filled with the Holy Spirit is th- that your motives and your goals are now changed of what was tempted and what was controlled and what was influenced of the world or of your flesh by Satan. As for now, being with the Holy Spirit and being one with God and having that rebirth, now your focus as influences is spiritual. So I, I want to clarify and and Jesus spoke of this with Nicodemus of having that second birth, that spiritual birth. We have the physical, we have the physical birth which we're, we're born with our mother, and then we have our spiritual birth which we're, where we accept Jesus Christ. And that death of of Satan, or that death of 
of getting getting out of the control of Satan is something to rejoice about. We call that salvation. So I want to bring that point to you that the vows that we take or the the rejoice that we take are, and I want to use these vows in this certain kind of specific uh, statement, is when we confess with our mouth and believe in thine heart that we accept Jesus Christ, okay, we are actually dying for dying of Satan and being reborn into Christ. That's one death I want to discuss. The second death I want to discuss is that physical death. The physical death of our body dying upon this earth. And what happens is once we die upon this earth, our spirit is present with the Lord. Okay, so... Once we die here, we're immediately present with the Lord, and we're up in uh, we're up in heaven, and we're in for and we're in with Him for eternity. That's us as being saved or having that rebirth or that regeneration that I, I spoke of a little while ago. And I want to bring this into context that there are many religions that are out there that have. Just a physical death. There is no spiritual death. They just have a physical death. Now, as Christ was saying to Nicodemus, I want to use this as an, again as an illustration, where he was talking and explaining to Nicodemus that there has to be a second birth. Okay, and that's acceptance of Christ. And that's turning away of the world and accepting, accepting Christ as your personal Savior, that's that second birth. So with that second birth, there is also that death, which is to the world, and the death of being controlled of Satan and being influenced of the world and the influence of Satan. But there's religions out there that, that just die. I mean, people that, people that believe people that invest money dollars after dollars and spend constant hours of works and constant hours of struggle, of confusion, because there are some religions that are confusing, and they have a death in the ground, a death that... Is paid, is paid by the wages of their sin, which is eternity and hell. And I, I, I want to bring up those points because of what Andy's going to say right now uh, on his point. But there's, you, it's got to break your heart. It's got to break your heart that people are dying and they're going to hell. It's got to break your heart that there's opportunities to be able to reach other people and to tell them about Christ, and we don't take those moments. And I don't want this to turn out to be a witnessing or a testimony or a soul-winning lesson, but you've got to be sitting here, wherever you may be right now, and just thinking, you know, we just had Mother's Day. My grandmother before my grandmother before my grandmother and my presently my mom right now 
Are they saved? Are they going to heaven? If they're not going to heaven, what can I do right now for they can have a, uh, uh, when they have their physical death here on earth that they're immediately present with the Lord and they're in heaven for eternity and I can go up and be there once I die or called upon by the Lord. You know, there, 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 I'm, what I'm trying to say is there's got to be a fire within you right now when you hear about there's people that are dying and going to hell. There has to be a fire. There's not a fire right now, then we need to, we need to reevaluate ourselves. Did you ever have that first, I mean, excuse me, that second birth that Christ was talking about where you're regenerated or you're, you're born again where you accept Him as your personal Savior and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know you're going to heaven. And you know that you're a sinner. And that you know that Christ died on the cross for, that, for all our sins, for our sins. So I just want to put that in perspective of the lesson as we go on to talking about the victory and also the death. So, say? Nothing, just keep uh, the other slides. Oh, That way that... we don't do what we did last time and what? have the couple of slides at the end that we didn't read. Oh, there's nowhere where we're at right now. <laughs> All right, we're making sure that you're at the right slide <laughs> for no one will be confused. Where we're at. So where Spurgeon pulled this from is from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter, 50, chapter 15, verses 15, 56 through 57. And it says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thank be to God, which give us the victory through Jesus Christ. So the death is, is sin. That death is what? Is hell. Death, by that sin, you're going to hell. But the strength of sin is the law, the new law, the New Testament, which is Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God, which give us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you, again, you got to be thankful right now <laughs> that Jesus Christ came and died on that cross. If you're, if you're not happy and rejoicing, knowing that Christ died on that cross and he took away your sin and forgave your sin and you're going to heaven... Again, you got to put yourself in check. Yeah, dude, what, what do you got? I'm thinking, not, not thinking too much. I think you covered most of it pretty well. But I'm thinking of, you know, when we talk, when we, when we think, you're talking about putting it in perspective. And if, you, if you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in absolute salvation, um, be it, possibly a Buddhist or, you know, maybe a Catholic, it would, they would tell you, depending on who you talk to, they would tell you that it would seem arrogant to know that there is such a thing as absolute salvation. And I think that's an interesting thing, is most other religions don't teach absolute redemption. They teach you do this, you do this, you try to do this, you try to live like this, and maybe you'll go to heaven. Maybe you'll pay off all your karma and you won't be reincarnated to live another life again. And maybe 
you won't spend a, a, an eternity in purgatory. The Christian worldview in the Bible teaches absolute redemption. Once you're saved, you can't be unsaved. Once you're going to heaven, you're not going to hell. And I think that's an important thing to realize is there are so many people that believe that's not even a possibility to know for sure. Okay, And then there's others that believe that there is a one-way ticket to that, Okay, but that one-way ticket is dying in the most valuable way possible. Okay, Two good examples are Muslims and um, uh, modern-day Muslims, as well as uh, the Japanese during World War II. Um, I know a little bit more about the Japanese in World War II than I do about the Muslims, so I'll use that as an example. Um, During that time period, the Japanese people viewed the emperor as their god. He was a god, similar to how the Egyptians viewed pharaohs as a god. So in when they were in World War II, when the Japanese country was fighting, it was viewed as a one-way ticket to paradise, to heaven, to die for your emperor, i.e. die in battle. So a lot of people would sign up to be kamikaze pilots, which, you know, we, we, we know about. They flew into ships, they sunk ships, they did enormous, enormous damage to um, naval fighting in the Pacific Oceans. Um, that's, but that's the reason that they did it. Now, not all of them volunteered. Some of them were, some kamikaze pilots were forced. But a, a good chunk signed up to be kamikaze pilots because they wanted to go to paradise at, with absolute knowledge, or in their minds, absolute redemption to go to paradise. And it's a sad thing that, you know, if they weren't saved, that they didn't go to heaven. But I think it's an important thing to realize as a Christian that most other religions don't teach that there is one absolute way to go to heaven. And that's, I think that's the saddest thing and the most important thing when you're talking to someone else who doesn't believe the way you do. And to speak on the Muslims, they, they have the same, the same teaching as well, is if they die in a warrior state... That uh, against an infidel, that they'll go up to heaven immediately, or what they refer to as paradise. Again, just like the Japanese, I just realized and brought the two together, and how similar the the ideology is within those two religions. Mm-hmm. Um, but you bring up an excellent point when we do talk about those things of people having that absolute. Um, you know, we we got to be thankful that we have an absolute canon of Scripture that we can read and that we can study and that we can speak and preach and teach. And uh, we know we know the beginning of the story and we know the end of the story through 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 our through our Bible, that uh, preserved word. And uh, you know, I think of all. Just on that topic of itself, of the the whole canon, that there's many religions out there that can't read anything, that can't study anything, that there is a, you know, they have pamphlets that are printed for them that are in their pews, and they only read that segment that's there on that Sunday or on that whatever day it may be, and that's all they read. They don't have a Bible in their house, or they don't have a word in their house. And really, for me, I think... Without the without the whole without holy Bible at the house or without the knowledge of that holy Bible, that creates confusion. 
you know, there's, there's certain religions that don't encourage people to study their religion. Or there's, I think of some other sects of, sects of religion where they, they have a holy Bible at their ward and only certain people can go into that holy library and read those books and the rest of the people are living in confusion. You got to be very thankful for what we got with, our, with what's available for the saved Christian today. We have a complete canyon of the Word of God. We have an absolute salvation of redemption. Now, Andy, you mentioned that word redemption. That's a very the- theological term that's used quite a bit. And, you know, speak, I can give you my layman's terms of, you know, one plus two equals three, but go ahead and tell me what redemption is. I would say, and I don't actually know the, the direct definition, but the way I've always thought about it is redemption from your sins is someone else redeeming your sins from you. Mm. In this case, Jesus redeeming our sins on the cross and taking those sins away from us. That's the way I've always thought about it. And that's a very astute answer. I'll give you my layman's. Mm-hmm. Someone paid for my sins. Someone mm-hmm. paid the price. Mm-hmm. Okay. That, someone redeemed. Okay. Redeemed me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a. You know there's a lot when we talk about. What is the Christian. Why are we so excited about being a Christian. Why do we want to continue and strive. And tell others about Christians. And bring it from all this. And packaging this all up for everyone to understand is. You know, we have that rebirth. We have the whole canon or the whole word of God that's available to us. We have an absolute salvation. We know what's going to happen. There is no confusion. And with all those things I just mentioned to you right there, just those little bits of sentences, that brings peace. That brings peace to us. You know, when I was a young married guy, when my when my wife and I first got married, one of the most nerve wracking things for us was finances. Because guess what? We didn't know what was going to happen next, which bill was going to come, or whatever. We were young, but you know, as we got older and we realized if we can put maybe one hundred, five hundred in the bank as savings, we had security with that five hundred dollars and. We had peace knowing if we had a big, large exp- expense that came up, we could pay for it. But you know, that $500 could be used like that. Our assurance and redemption of Christ, our absolute salvation, does not run, does not run empty. It's overflowed, it says. And... It's not like that, like I t- told you about that $500 and you use it quick. It never ends. We have, we have an absolute, an, an eternal, forever protection. No one will pluck us out of his hand. Nothing will be taken away. We will be with him. God will always um, rule. He's always in control. Sovereignty of God. And All we need to do and be as Christians is be at peace, knowing that 
Everything's taken care of. God has taken care of everything for us. Let's go on and listen to uh, Spurge's next point of what he was bringing in his message. He says, death is no laughing matter. But for the Christian, it need not to be a crying matter either. And I'm going to talk about this on this point here because, you know, we talked a lot about death. I talked a lot about the Christian life. I talked a lot about the securities that we have as being a Christian. I talked about the the rebirth as being a Christian. But death is no laughing matter regardless. Okay, no one wants to die. All right, but for the Christian, it need not be in a crying matter either, meaning that, you know, if when we die, we shouldn't be crying about it. Or when, when a fellow Christian dies, we shouldn't be crying about it because now they're, you know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. As it says in the Word of God, they're up there in heaven with Christ, rejoicing, being with Him. So we should be happy for that. Um, but also I want to bring this point that we don't know when death is going to happen to us. Okay, and that's not something for us to worry about because God knows when it's going to happen. But I think with that in retrospect, we need to count every moment as an opportunity to live for him. And I want to bring this and close it with this, uh, this next point. And probably this is one, the final point. And this is within the maturity of the maturity and the growth as being a Christian is service. Doing doing work for Christ is called a service. And I'm not telling you that you got to go to a theologian seminary or you need to go to some kind of uh, Bible college online or, you know, you got to go pack up the van or the car or the truck and go to a Bible college. I'm talking about doing service now. What service are you doing for Christ? You know, we have the Great Commission. It tells everyone that we have a service, which is to tell others about Christ. But beyond telling others about Christ and having obedience to tithe within our church, what, uh, what service are you doing for Christ right now? Are you maybe volunteering or being a service for your local church? How can you be a service to the local church? I'll tell you what, if you go up to your pastor, text him right now and say, Pastor, I want to be a service for Christ at the local church, I'm sure he'll give you a plethora, a list of things that, that you can help with. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, don't even, may, maybe this will be on the list, you know, pick up all the rocks in the parking lot. I don't know, but... I'm sure he has a list of things that could be a great service for not just you, if you have a family, including your family as well. I think uh, one of the most important things, especially when I am stressed out and I have a lot on my plate, the most rewarding thing for me to clear my mind and to get me focused is do work for the church. Uh, I, I do a lot of the media if I have a stressful time, I'll start hacking away and building something on the website. Or I'll start hacking away and figuring out something to do on social media or on podcasts or any any sort of platform that I can do right now, especially since I'm still at a stay-at-home order. But, you know, doing the work for Christ, pleasing... Now, we're, we're serving and pleasing Christ. We're not serving and pleasing us 
or the pastor or the church. That's just, you know, gravy. But our main focus is to serve him. Andy? Also, I think something that is often forgotten is one of the most important things and one of the most vital things, one of the things that's most needed in a church. You know, if you can't do anything else, you know, if you don't feel like, you know, maybe God doesn't want you to go soul winning necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, out with knocking doors or whatnot or, um, you know, going on a missions trip or whatever, whatever it may be. One of the most important things that everyone can do is just take a moment and pray for your pastor. Yes. Pray for your church. Absolutely. Just pray in general. You know, doing a work for Christ isn't necessarily a physical work. a physical thing. And, you know, anyone who's prayed for an extended period of time, though, that's just as much work as knocking doors. Mm-hmm. And so just, you know, just keep in mind when, when people are talking about doing a work for Christ, it's not necessarily something physical. It could be something as simple as sitting on your couch and saying, God, the church needs help right now. God, mm-hmm. please bless the pastor. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be physical, and I think that's something that's often forgotten. Yeah, yeah. That's an excellent point. I, and, I was, and, you know, I've been brainstorming, my, you know, ever since we got on this COVID, and, you know, we can't knock on doors. We can't, you know, pass out tracts. We can't, you know, go visit families and invite them to church. But one thing that I've kind of really put a lot of thought into, especially in the last six, eight weeks, is that, Within the social media realm, we do have a great platform to reach others. And uh, one of the things that I I noticed that while you're sitting on your couch or wherever you're at is you can go to your church's Facebook page or, you know, your your, uh, church's uh, website or you can go to our website. You can go to our Facebook um, group and just share our posts to your friends. And that's a simple thing. <laughs> that's the simplest thing, one of the simplest things you can do. And, you know, like Andy said, pray. Um, another thing is, uh, is just uh, be nice to people. <laughs> be nice and love people. I, I don't think that's mentioned enough to people today. Just being nice and just loving people. Just loving on people. So that's what I got for today. Let me take this uh, next. Well, I got one more verse for you. Got to take you from where um, uh, Reverend Charles Spurgeon was taking that point from was from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 14. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. And in 14 it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will, will God bring with him. Again, there we have the word of God. Uh, once we die, we're, with heaven, or we're in heaven. Um, what I want to do is go ahead and bring your attention to uh, share this podcast. Uh, click on the share button. Also, Join us online at faithbaptistelpaso.org and uh, join our online community at faithlife.com forward slash faithelpaso and on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash faithelpaso and join us for service. We have an online service that's on Sunday 
from at 11 o'clock a.m. Mountain Standard Time and also 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time and also Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. If you wish to give to this ministry or to the ministry of Faith Baptist Church, please go to faithbaptistelpaso.org forward slash give. And again, we thank you. We appreciate you listening to us. And we encourage your comments and your ratings. And God bless and have a good day.